After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. with you for another Baseball America podcast draft podcast today because we have a reason to talk draft even if it is getting a little chilly outside we have uh, we've as we now have wrapped up the summer so- showcase season the fall showcase season with Jupiter we've had fall ball in many places around the country we've had scout days we've had a lot and so to celebrate that to kind of gather the information together we have an updated top 100 high school prospects and an updated top 100 college prospects for the 2020 draft. And Carlos, having poured over these lists as you have for, you know, I'd, I'd say hours and days and months, <laughs> really months at this point. Yeah. You know, what really stands out to you? What is the thing that you think as someone pulls this up, if they're looking at this for the first time in a while, what is going to surprise them? Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, I, I just say the thing that stands out to me is just the strength of the college class. Um, this is something that I feel like we even started talking about before the 2019 draft class was over, and I think it's easy to do so just because the, the strengths and weaknesses are so different from those classes. The 2019 class went down as, you could argue, it's the worst pitching class we've ever had, just overall and particularly as as, on yeah, the college as as side. Guys were exactly. Coming, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Like there could be a lot of guys who come up and surprise us down the line. But as far as results of the draft and, and where players went, 2019 was a new low for pitching. Uh, the 2020 college class is going to be very different as far as the perception prior to uh, these players kind of having their professional careers. On draft day, it's going to be a very strong pitching class. The college side is loaded. Last year, I think you could argue that the top pitcher in the college class had middle of the rotation upside. That's uh, Nick Lodolo, the left-hander that the Reds selected at number seven overall, the lowest that a pitcher has ever gone. This year, we have a number of guys that have much higher upside than that. I mean, it's led off with Emerson Hancock and Asa Lacey, uh, who have top of the rotation potential, but you even go down the list. Um, guys like Reed Detmers, Carmen Wazinski, JT Ginn, Garrett Crochet is a guy who's had a lot of buzz this fall. All of those guys have top of the rotation sort of upside uh, and stuff. There are a lot more pitchers in this class who have that track record of starting and having success with that in addition to this stuff. Last year, we were kind of looking around for the guys who had that. It was a lot of relievers who were converting to starter roles, uh, and a lot of guys didn't succeed when they moved into that role. So. I think you're starting off um, at a much better foundation on the college side. Not to say that the hitting class isn't light. I don't, I don't want to start the narrative that this is a, a college pitching group only. I, I think in general it's just a very strong class on the college right. side. But I think because we're coming from a 2019 year where the pitching was so low, teams are excited for the number of arms that they're going to have to choose from early uh, in the draft next June. The depth of this class just really does jump out mm-hmm. to me. Like. I think you look in the 20s, you look in the 30s, you look in the 40s on yeah. this list on the college side, and you're like, man, I really like that guy. That's an interesting... You know, yeah. I mean, there, there's... 
to just take a couple of examples and just pull them out, it's like you, you sit here and you get in the 20s and it's like, okay, the Cole Henrys and the Kevin Abels. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, these are guys with some, you know, with some pedigree. And, and then you get to the 30s and you get to the Jake Eaters and it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. And yeah. then you get to I mean, the, look at Slade Shikoni at, at 40. This is a guy right. who, in, in this 2018 high school draft, we're going to be talking about this a lot, but this 2018 high school pigeon class, a lot of these guys, and Slade Shikoni is one of them, are draft eligible now. And, and he is a guy who, back in, in the summer prior to his senior year, he was looking like a guy who could go top 15 in a class out of high school. Now, he didn't pitch a ton in the spring and kind of backed up when scouts did see him, but he has the talent if he puts it all together and has a full year where it wouldn't shock me if he goes in the first round and he's 40 on this list. Bryce Bond in 70, and that's a guy who was a name yeah. you know, to an extent in, in high school. And, you know, and again, the, the just the, the depth of this class, mm -hmm. I, and you're right, I don't want, we don't want to make it that it's all about the pitching, but I will say... But pitching. if you're looking for the headline and the standout, I think it's fair to say that. But, yeah, like you can go on with the hitters, but it, it's strong on both sides. It's strong on both sides. And to, to put it on a hitter, there's still the same number one that there was before. Mm -hmm. And it's a hitter. And, it, you know, Spencer Torkelson still sits there at number one mm -hmm. on, our, on our college class. And I will say, though, I think that the Spencer Torkelson-Austin Martin debate is going to be a fascinating one for scouts and for mm -hmm. us for the next, uh, I guess it's eight months now, you know? it's Yeah, 210 days. Because you are talking about two very different players. Yeah, I think that's going to be a fun conversation to have. And I think Nick Gonzalez, while he probably is behind those guys now, he's definitely trended in the right direction. And another guy that we are going to have to mention in this conversation is Garrett Mitchell. Just because if you, and, and this is a fun conversation I think to have because every single one of these players have different profiles, they have different strengths, they have different weaknesses, they have different risk factors that are kind of baked into their profile and their, and their track record. But all four of these guys really, I mean, Nick Gonzalez, maybe it might be a stretch success because the second base profile is tough to go that range. But I mean, Garrett Mitchell, he reminds me in a lot of ways of like a Hunter Bishop from last year, or Cameron Meisner, a college guy with just tons of tools. I mean, he, he's probably the tool, toolsiest college player in the class if he can hit i mean it's hard to not say he's a top five kind of guy but you have the the type one diabetic but, issue to bring in and, and you just put on a two two opposite of the spectrum was yeah. useful to do just look at last year's class mm -hmm. you know when you talk about tools bishop and meisner okay tools wise they were pretty similar yeah bishop has the the draft year where you're like okay rising, rising, rising up the board. Mm -hmm. Cameron Meisner, who, even if you had just said, okay, on March 15th, how does this look? Mm -hmm. Wow, it looks really good. And then had a really poor SEC, you know, conference, you know, schedule. And all of a sudden, doesn't drop him out of, it's not like he disappeared. No. But it did knock him out, you know. Of, That's the difference at top of the first round kind of player or comp round type player. And that, I, I think Garrett Mitchell... I, I think there is a floor mm -hmm. that yeah, kind of like as you put, comp round probably is a, a floor for him mm -hmm. because the tools are just such that even if he doesn't have a great year, mm -hmm. you'll still, someone's going to at some point say, we're buying in low on yeah, the tools. We're taking the upside. We want to take a bet on him. There are some things but we see that we can figure out in player development and really get the most out of this player. But then... If he has a big year, though, then all of a sudden you are talking about a guy who could absolutely yeah, watch out these boards. Because he has hit pretty well at UCLA after 
there were some questions coming out of high school, and I think his freshman year wasn't the year he really wanted, but sophomore year is pretty good. But yeah, going back to your, your Torkelson-Martin debate, I think, honestly, like if Austin Martin comes out and plays shortstop for Vanderbilt this spring and shows he can handle it while continuing to be the offensive player we've kind of expected and, and come, to, come to expect, basically, it's hard not to pick him. Right. At the same time, Spencer Torkelson is such a special bat and such a special hit and power combination, and he does have the the ability to play a corner outfield. Like he has that in him, so it's going to be fascinating. It's a conversation we're going to have throughout the entire year. I just know it. But the, what are your thoughts here? The thing to me is is what you said. Like if Martin is playing shortstop, or even if he's playing, you know, again, because I, I think he's going to play shortstop. But if they put him in center. And, you know, and he played an exceptional center, you know, mm -hmm. or things. The, the one thing that I think that could almost hurt him, and it shouldn't, is his season last year was so good that I don't think he should have to match what he did last year for yeah. it to be a really good year. Because his batting average could dip mm -hmm. a little bit from the absurd heights that it, it rose to last year. Mm -hmm. And if you see a little more power to go with that, again, it doesn't have to be that he, you know, he doesn't have to to lead the country in home runs, like, you know, like his uh, teammate uh, J.J. Bledet did last year. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you see a power bump to go with a, a little bit, so he only hits 360, 370, mm -hmm. you know, next year, oh, boy. You know, yeah. I, I still think when you talk about a guy who is an up-the-middle player, if you view the bats, him and Torkelson's bats, as in any way close to comparable, mm -hmm. you get the advantage for the defensive versatility he has. No doubt. But... That said, again, we have to see what Torkelson does, which Torkelson, to me, the, the, the expectations on his bat almost have reached the levels of absurd because yeah. if he gets better than what he's done the last two years, then yes, he's, he, he's probably going to be our, our college player of the year. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at kind of what Andrew Vaughn did between his sophomore and junior years, yeah, his, he didn't hit as well as a junior as he did during his sophomore season and still win number three overall as a first baseman. That's pretty good. And that's kind of how I see Austin Martin and his trajectory and really even Spencer Torkelson. Both of these guys have done so much as freshmen and sophomore that it's not like they need to keep improving their raw numbers to, to really sustain where they're at. They've put up such gaudy numbers before, it's hard to really expect them right. to do that again, like you said. You have a lot of confidence in, in what they're going to produce. The only thing, I guess, if I'm looking and trying to find, you know, like, I'm not trying to, but if you're, if you're looking for knocks on Torkelson, mm -hmm. he didn't set the world on fire last summer with USA Baseball. He was fine. Yeah. That, that's, I think, a fair way to put it. But that said, he has so much already on the resume mm -hmm. that we were talking at this time last year about Adley Rushman, and I was like, if Adley Rushman, you know, contracted mono and missed the yeah. season, like it really wouldn't hurt him that much. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing is kind of true with, with Torkelson in that you don't talk to anyone who's like, you know, I really need to see if he can hit. Mm -hmm. I really need to see if he has power. Those yeah. things, they feel like that they're already kind of established. Yeah, and he all, and Torkelson, he also has a lot banked on the Cape Cod League as well. He didn't play a ton this past summer because of his uh, Team USA experience, but the year prior to that, he had a really good season uh, with Chatham in the Cape Cod League as well. So I do think... Uh, he's got a lot of leeway, let's say, with his performance next spring. On the, on the high school list, yep. I feel like that this, like, with that college list, barring injury, there's a, there's a number of guys in that top ten who are really kind of baked in. Like, yeah. like again, Spencer Torkelson, uh, there, there, there are ways for anyone, but like, mm -hmm. uh, even having a poor year 
is only going to ding him so much. He's one now. He could slip a little bit, but it's yeah. not going to slip a lot. I do feel like that this high school list is one where a, you could even get to five on this list. And five... Oh, go three, further than that. You can you could go down to almost 12, like 15. They're... Oh, I, I was going to go. I was going to say that you could get down to twenty-five on this list, and it could be a guy who ends up moving up because oh, one hundred percent. It is. It is much more fluid. Again, it's the high school list for one. Yeah. But on top of that, this is not a. Last year at this time when we were talking, we had three clear guys who we were pretty confident were going to go well. We had Bobby Wood Jr., C.J. Abrams, Riley Green. I think those were our top three guys. Those were from the, the three start. guys who you're like, okay, if they have a poor spring hmm. ooh, they'll slide from being the number one guy in the class to the number four or yeah. five prep guy that was about as far as they could go yeah and and with this class you really just don't have that sort of and we've talked about it before and i hope that like you guys haven't listened to all these podcasts and you're like oh they're talking about the same stuff but really with this high school list there are so many guys who who have the ability or the tools or the skill set to become that kind of top one top three kind of guy but there are some questions that they haven't answered. And I think you can make the argument with, like I said, like I think you could go down to 12 on this list and, and realistically make an argument for these guys being top five caliber players. Uh, but there are some questions with pretty much all of their profiles. Okay, so let me do that. With Pick out a guy in the top 12. Like a you guy can pick a guy out. Eight to 12, who you're like, okay, here's how this guy would end up being the number one guy in the class. Okay, so let's just start with... Let's just start with... Pick, yes, uh, pick one. We're not going to go through... You know, we'll oh. start with Drew Romo at number nine, okay. just because he's interesting. Well, the first knock, we can do pros. He's one of the best prep defenders to come through in a long time. I mean, Austin Hedges level? I mean, yeah, You would have to say that. I mean, Will Banfield was the first guy for me who was really like eye-opening defensively, and I think Romo is just so much more polished than Banfield was. He's got the tools. He's got the, uh, the ability to receive. He's got blocking ability. He's got fantastic arm strength. I mean... He was one of the best defenders in this Texas area as soon as he was a high school. When he was a high school freshman, he immediately became one of the best defenders. So when you look at how the game values that, that's a very, it's a very special player to have. At the same time, the high school catching track record is one of the worst ones that we have in the draft. There are some questions with his hit tool. He's a switch hitter who has some thump from both sides, but you can question the swing and miss and how high does that profile really Which, go. The great thing for him is he's playing at the Woodlands He's playing in a league yeah. where they're, if, if Romo's playing in the Northeast, nothing against, you know, kids playing. In, but if he's there's playing only in so New much York, he can elevate his there's only so much he can do. Yeah, so, so you, could, you could easily see Romo going off offensively. Now you're looking at a switch hitting catcher with some power, with elite defensive ability. That's pretty appealing outside of, like we said, the demographics history. Then you go to another guy like Blaze Jordan. Kind of the opposite profile here. He's a guy who's hidden power. You're very convinced in his offensive profile. He's a guy who maybe has been, he's probably still the most famous player in this class to, to casual baseball fans because of some of the power displays he's shown. But he might be the best hitter in the class. He's got phenomenal hands. He's got some of the best raw power. The questions are his defensive profile. He's a right-right corner guy. He's been playing third a little bit more. He's done some stuff to improve his body, but he's probably a first baseman. Right, but if he comes out in spring and you're like, this guy's no, I think he really is a third base. Yeah, if he comes out like we saw this with Brett Beatty a little bit last year, questions about first base, really improved in the spring of his senior year, and then the pro reports we're getting on Beatty's defense, significantly better than what we would have gotten at this time during the summer uh, prior to summer or fall into his senior year. 
So again, that's that's kind of the case with Blaze. If he comes out and improves some of those supplemental tools, improves his profile a little bit, you could feel a lot better about taking a high school corner guy who's right right, no, just no, because of the offense. Now let's play the game a different way. I'm really going to put you on the spot. Yeah, let's so I'll do talk it. for a minute while I put you on the spot. <laughs> okay, let's go now. Who's the guy? I'll, I'll make it easier for you. Who's the guy outside of the top 15? Because we've seen this before, that guys can go from being like... Okay, I have three for you. Okay, who could end up being a, you know, if not the top guy in the class, one of the top guys in the class. So I think, I think right now you can make the case that Mason Wynn is pound for pound. You don't have to make this argument <laughs> to me. JJ is a huge Mason Wynn fan. Pound for pound, Mason Wynn could easily be the most talented player in this class. He's a guy who... Just a few weeks ago, if you're, if you're following our stuff on BaseballAmerica.com, you read about it, but he had one of the most impressive uh, Jupiter performances we've ever seen. He's a legitimate two-way guy, like 5'10", 180, up to 98 on the mound, with a hammer, potential plus breaking ball, potential plus changeup. So that's three pitches plus or better. Um, the control was solid for how impressive that pure stuff is. Good delivery, just absurd arm strength. Then. On the other side, he's playing shortstop very capably, just plays the game at a different speed than some of these other players do. And I think he went three for four with like a home run, a triple, a single. All those came off the bat at 95 miles per hour plus. So like you could look at him as a pitcher and think of him in this range or higher. You could look at him as a hitter and think of him in this range or higher. The size is the question with him. Some off the field concerns that he started to iron out a little bit. Um, so I think that's one guy who you could you could have an argument as moving so up. Um, you know, I don't know. have to sell you on, on Mason Wynn. JJ fell in love with him, I think, I'm, I'm like a year ago. Texas, Texas Scouts Association All-Star Game. Yeah, JJ saw him a rising junior. as an underclassman. He was like, hey, you know, this guy's Tam, really good. Tanner Witt, like there's a lot of these guys on this list. Yeah. Jared Kelly. Jared Kelly looked really good at that thing, too. Like, yeah. I, I hate I missed it this year, but I'm, I'm looking to get back next year. Yeah, Isaiah Green is a uh, an outfielder from California. He's another guy. And just a quick aside, the outfielders in this group might be the strength of the high school class. There are a number of really talented outfielders. I think we have eight outfielders in the top 25, uh, all of them who have fairly different profiles, but that's the strength of the high school class, I think, at this point. Isaiah Green, though, he's a guy who is one of the better defenders in the class, depending on the scouts that you talk to. For me, I think Pete Crow is probably solidly the top guy, but he's got a fantastic hit tool from the left side. Uh, he's six foot one, 180. Uh, he hit a number of really impressive pitchers very well. So if you're convinced that the hit tool is legit, that you're looking at a plus defender in center field with good running ability, probably is going to grow into some more power down the line. You could argue him higher. I think if he comes out and has a strong spring, again, playing in an area where he's going to be able to kind of make some noise with his performance, that's a guy who can move higher. The last one that I'll mention right here uh, is a guy who, who's kind of similar to... Um, excuse me, to Blaze Jordan as far as the profile. Right, right, corner infield, kind of high school guy with a hit and power combination. That's Jordan Walker, uh, a Georgia product who's committed to Duke. Um, he's a guy who has that hitting and power combination that teams really covet. He's very athletic for his size. He has, I think he's like 6'5", 220, and he holds it well and has plenty of room to add more strength, so he could be an absolute monster in a few years. Uh, very intelligent, moves around well. I think at this point he's probably more advanced uh, defensively than Blaze if we're just comparing those two players. Their bodies are very different. Um, but from as far as like a profile standpoint, I think there are some similarities. So if he's a guy who goes out and shows that he has a chance to play third, continues to hit well in a strong area, I think he's another guy who could rise. So there are just a number of these guys 
who you can look at and kind of make the case for. It's just a matter of, of them doing it consistently and kind of separating themselves, which to this point for the high school side, it's been a little bit of a struggle and it's kind of muddled, but probably makes it a lot more fun for the scouts. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very, very interesting, it always is, let's just be honest. Hmm. But, it's, but again, it's, it's in one of those years where there are years where it's locked, somewhat locked in at the top. Mm -hmm. Last year was a pretty chalk top of the draft, yeah. like where you knew, okay, Adley mm -hmm. Rushman's going to be there, Bobby Witt's going to be yeah. there, C.J. Abrams is going to be there, Riley Green's going to be there, Andrew Vaughn's going to be there. And that, I, think, I think to some extent that will be true this year. I just think it's college. You can do that for the college players. The right. high school players, If Everson Hancock's healthy, he doesn't have to add much yeah. to what he's already done. Mm -hmm. You know, same with Torkelson. Same, same with Austin Martin. Again, like, mm -hmm. Austin Martin, I, I've said that about Torkelson. There's, to some extent, you could say the same thing about Martin. He already has so, basically yeah. a 400 season in the SEC while showing athleticism already on his resume. Yeah. You know, that's that's, yeah, that's he's hard done, to beat. He's done pretty well for himself. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was arguably, they had a top 10 pick who led the nation in homers last year. And you're like, I don't know if he was the best you know, position player on their team. Exactly. Like you could make the argument it was Austin Martin. You yeah. know? And so now it's just his year to, you know, to start. But again, this is a, it, it should be, but it is a very unsettled in many ways, in a good way. Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of guys who could move up. Some guys will move down. Yeah. And I think, too, we talked about the pitching earlier on. I kind of want to get back to that now. But on both these lists, the high school list and the college list, there are so many arms who have the kind of stuff or the body or the pitchability to jump. Like, we're going to, we always see this with the high school side. Uh, you see it to a lesser extent on the college side as well, just because you kind of are more familiar with these guys. But there's always someone who pops up. There's going to be an arm who we either have low on the list now who's going to be much higher, or there might even be an arm who's not on one of these lists right now that just comes out, overhauls the body in the offseason, is a completely different pitcher. We've got a number of really good candidates for that this year, and it's going to be exciting to see who kind of steps out and, and really does that. So, but But speaking of that, you have a very interesting interview. When we talk about... The draft process. Yeah. I, I, we, we, we both love the draft process also. Yeah. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot that if you, you cannot fully understand mm -hmm. unless you've gone through the process before. Yep. So, yeah, I think, I think that you, you've kind of summed it up nicely, but we, I had a fantastic conversation with Alexis Adams, who's the mother of Jordan Adams, the Los Angeles Angels 17th uh, overall pick in 2018. Uh, she came in here uh, into the VA office and we kind of just talked about the draft process. Jordan is a guy who, again, kind of going into his senior year of high school, we were aware of him. We knew he was talented, kind of as a raw athlete, uh, but kind of the polish of his baseball game, we really didn't know at that point. And he blew up during the spring and they kind of fell into the draft process, really had to kind of figure it out on the fly. So it was fun to talk with with Alexis about that draft process for them. And I think it can be kind of an insightful conversation for those who, who aren't really aware of some of the behind the scenes things that go on with the draft, kind of how that process unveils. It was fascinating for me, so I hope it's an interesting interview for you guys as well. That's coming up next, but um, if you haven't checked out these lists yet, they're both on the website right now. You can Baseball look at the full list. So yeah, check it out. slash draft. Yeah, you can find you it know, there. You have those, you also have the uh, the, uh, the, we're rolling out the AL East top tens right now. I already have the NL East up, and then we'll go straight on to the Centrals after that. Great time to subscribe to Baseball 
America. So let's be honest, there's never a bad time to subscribe to Baseball <laughs> America. But I would say that right now we are in prospect season. So if you go to baseballamerica.com slash shop dash now, you can sign up for Baseball America. So for Carlos, I'm JJ. Stick around for more of Carlos. What's going on, guys? Today I'm joined by Alexis Adams, who is the mother of Jordan Adams, the Los Angeles Angels first round selection in the 2018 draft. He was taken 17th overall. And today I'm really excited because we're going to chat basically about the draft process, kind of from the family's point of view. Uh, here at Baseball America, we talk to you guys a lot about kind of the scouting side of things, what scouts are seeing from the players and our perspective. But I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation just to kind of see what goes on on the family and the player side. Uh, Alexis, thanks for, for joining me. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with me. I'm very excited about it. No, definitely. We're glad to have you along. And I think just in general, this topic is interesting because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of our listeners are familiar with the draft process uh, from the outside. But even from my perspective, there's a lot that I'm sure happens behind the scenes that you don't really mm -hmm. know about. And I feel like uh, just with parents and kids who are going to go through this process in the future, this can be an extremely valuable conversation or, and just really to hear what you have right. to say on the process. So right. Jordan's situation was interesting and we can dive into this, okay. but as kind of a two-sport guy, uh, he was at the Under Armour All-America game. He was the MVP of that game. Mm -hmm. um, so he was definitely known in the scouting community, but I feel like kind of entering the spring, um, his, maybe his draft stock, where scouts thought of him, was not to the point where it was going to be at the draft. So right. kind of going into his senior year, how did you guys see baseball versus football? Because he was obviously a very highly touted football prospect as well, committed to North Carolina. Right. What did you guys kind of expect of his senior year? Well, I know that once we moved back to North Carolina from South Carolina, yeah. um, we always, when he played baseball, in baseball season, that's all we did. Mm -hmm. During football season, that's just all he did. Mm -hmm. We never combined the two sports until his senior year, yeah. summer 2017. Um, we were doing his travel baseball with the Diamond Devils out of Charleston, South Carolina, mm -hmm. playing every week, every weekend. And he was invited to several football camps. Um, the Nike opening, mm -hmm. He had the tryouts first and was invited to go to Oregon, and that was his lifetime dream, just one of those things. Yeah. I would love to, he and his brother would watch those games growing up, and he said, I would love to do that yeah, one day. No and so when the opportunity came, he's like, we've got to go, mm. you know. So we just, it was, that was a difficult summer, yeah, doing sure. both sports at such a high level. Mm -hmm. um, we did that. And, you know, stayed out there a week. He had the best time, met some great friends that he still stays in contact with mm -hmm. today. And what, maybe once soon as we got back, uh, Under Armour reached out and, you know, wanted him mm -hmm. to come and play in the games. And This is the Under Armour for the baseball game. Yes. Yeah, the Under Armour. And um, they spoke with Deke about that and, and he says, and guys. Deke is Jordan's father for whoever is not aware of that. And he says, you know, guys, we would love to do it, but we just don't have time to yeah. go out and try out and da, da da you know. And he says, well, coach, we just, we want him to be here. Mm -hmm. We want him to come play. So we talked with Jordan and he says, yes, that would be 
fantastic yeah. to go to Wrigley Field. He had never been. So we, he and I <laughs> got together yeah. and we went to Chicago. Yeah. And that was just a fun experience as well. You know, um, that whole summer was such a whirlwind. Every <laughs> week we were somewhere. And, you know, it could be taxing on your body. 100%. Um, to keep going, going, going. And, and, you know, from a financial standpoint, point, no one's helping you take your kid to all these places. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to find the resources to make it happen for them. Yeah. And so uh, we just decided that this was his last year of mm -hmm. high school and we wanted to be a, the just best experience for him that he could have because he is, he is such an elite athlete. Yeah. He, he just has so many tools that cannot be coached. You know, it's just his God-given gift. Yeah. Um, of his natural abilities that he has. 100%. And, and we talk about even baseball-only players during the summer, the, the grind that they go through mm -hmm. that year specifically, the summer prior to your senior year is the right. biggest year for high school players. So combining all of the events that you would go to for baseball, mm -hmm. travel ball every weekend, like you said, yeah. on top of football, it just seems like uh, a workload that is very difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kind of what I wanted to get into with you is when in this process did you guys think, okay, the draft might be a realistic avenue? I know, obviously, once you're at the Under Armour game, scouts are aware of you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In Jordan's situation, I don't think scouts knew how good of a hitter he was right. until USA Baseball's National High School Invitational, the spring of his senior year. Correct. And we can get into that. I don't know if we need to jump to it right now, but that summer, did you guys think the draft was a legitimate avenue and something that he was going to pursue, or are you mainly, mainly focused on college? Yeah, we were focused on college. Yeah. We had, we never even thought about the draft. Mm -hmm. When we went out to Oregon is when he announced his decision to go to University of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, Jordan is a very um, outgoing person. Mm -hmm. He has lots of friends. He had already uh, developed relationships with the class of 2018 so he was excited about going to University of North Carolina mm -hmm. uh, and he chose them because they were going to allow him to play football and baseball. Uh, Coach Fox was very instrumental in reassuring him that he's going to play baseball there mm -hmm. and that's what Jordan needed to hear yeah. so that's why they were chosen and that summer no we did not think about the draft at all. Mm -hmm. He just, we've always just sort of just gone with the flow with things. Yeah. Whatever he kind of wanted to do, we let him do it. Um, we didn't push. Um, and we just, because of his body, we want to take care of his body. Mm -hmm. Even during football season, we would, we would make him take a week or two off yeah. before he you goes into baseball. probably have to force him to because he's not going to And we did. We had own. to force him to. Now, that senior year, he just went straight in because mm -hmm. he's he's a ball of energy <laughs> yeah. you know he's always been a ball of energy so um we were just enjoying his senior year yeah. the camps east coast pro we went there he enjoyed that and he ended up having to cut that short because in north carolina you have to practice 
so many number of practices for football mm -hmm, for to football be to play. In, yep. order to, in order to play so mm -hmm. we had to cut that short a little bit because he wanted to play in the first football game exactly for sure as, as he should yeah and, and i think this is something that you see a lot with east coast pro and with a lot of these events is there will be two sport athletes in mm -hmm. every class mm -hmm. maybe not to the caliber that jordan was but there are two sport athletes in every class who you just don't see on the summer showcase circuit and for mlb right. teams that's such an important time to see players playing against the best talent in the class because right. as you're aware i'm sure differing levels of high school competition can drastically affect how you're able to scout a player right um, and we even missed um the tournament in atlanta east cobb east cobb yeah yep. we missed it that year mm -hmm. because we were in oregon with football exactly yep. and of course you know john rose is coach for diamond Dells. I understand, you know, <laughs> but he, it was tough. But, yeah. you know, so there were some things we just had to make a decision on what we would and would not do and what he could do. And we always wanted to go to the one in Florida. Um, it's always in the fall, though. Jupiter. Jupiter. Game. Yep. We've never been to Jupiter. Yep. We never got a chance to go because he was playing on Friday nights football. football. Yep. And um, so that was tough. So we did you know, we didn't we didn't think it would be a shot because, like you said, he hadn't been on that baseball circuit mm -hmm. that so many of the other kids had been on. Yeah. Um, but by the time uh, the spring came around, 2018 and, and NHSI tournament and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know, so let, let's talk about that. I mean, going into it. So USA Baseball's National High School Invitational is the tournament that really, from our perspective, and I'm assuming this is where it all blew up for you guys, but. Mm -hmm. Jordan was arguably the best player in a field that included guys like Bryce Terang, a bunch right. of first-round picks, Tristan Cassis, he was there, a number of really impressive players. Cole Wynn, I believe, was at this mm -hmm, event. Mm -hmm. um, and Jordan hit extremely well, played yeah. phenomenal defense, was yes. a menace on the base paths. Showcased the speed that he had. Exactly. It's you like know, he got on the base paths. If he walked, tournament. it was like a triple. Yeah. He's still second, still third, yes, and yes. was ready to go. <laughs> so... From my perspective, this is the event where scouts are like, okay, like we need to seriously consider how high we're going to take this guy, how high right. we need to select this kid. We saw him at the Under Armour Classic, but that's a one-game thing, exactly. very small sample. Yeah. We just saw him for a whole week against really good competition, and he was the best hitter at this tournament. For you guys going, what were your expectations, I guess, going into this tournament? Was it more like, oh, this will be a cool event for him to play in and kind of represent North Carolina? Yeah, you know, we were surprised that our uh, head baseball coach at Green Hope, um, he changed our schedule to be in that tournament. We were actually going to the beach yeah. to play in a game uh, there, and he changed our schedule. I guess mm -hmm. someone contacted him from USA Baseball mm -hmm. to see if, you know, to invite us there, see if he would do that, and mm -hmm. we changed the schedule, and Great field we were in. So <laughs> yeah, we we had no idea about it, and we didn't. I guess because you know we're we are a sports family. Um, Deke coaches college football. He played college football. I played college basketball. Mm -hmm. Jordan's our older brother played basketball. Baseball was new to us. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they played little league and stuff, but to learn about all these other aspects of the sport was yeah. new to us. So we had no expectations going into that tournament. Mm -hmm. We were just going to play ball. Yeah. And were you guys at all surprised by the amount of scouts that were there? Well, we knew that there would be some scouts. I think I wasn't surprised because I saw so many at East Coast Pro. Yeah. So I we had been a little exposed to that. Mm -hmm. So seeing all them at in uh, Cary at the 
baseball field, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a big deal or mm -hmm. anything, but it was just a, amazing how our team played. Yes, Jordan <laughs> had a great time, but our team, our yeah. high school team played phenomenal that, during that week. Yeah, Green Hope is, the I think, still the only North Carolina team to make the finals of the NHSI. It's normally a field dominated by Florida and California mm -hmm. teams that mm -hmm. come in. Um, but yeah, they had easily the best run of a North Carolina team and, and had a chance to win the entire thing, exactly. which is phenomenal. Yeah, so it was, it was great. Uh, Jordan, again, had a, ph a phenomenal tournament, played well. And after that week ended is when all... It blew up. It blew up. <laughs> yeah, so how, I guess, how quickly after that did you guys... I guess let's just make it simple. What what happened with you guys after that tournament? Well, as soon as that tournament was over, um, even well throughout the week, of course, people finally, you know, they would figure out who I was mm -hmm. and that Jordan was my son, and they'd stop me and say, "Hey, you think I could, you know, say just wave at Jordan or whatever, yeah. you know, stuff like that?" And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> wave at him, you know." But after that tournament, um, the month of April and May just was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I had to get a calendar. Uh, we saw so many scouts. Yeah. Almost every day in our home there was a scout. Yep. We had to schedule appointments. They wanted to get to know him. Mm -hmm. They wanted to get to know his family. Same thing scouts do for football. You mm -hmm. know, They want to know who you are yeah. and who your family is and what you're about and what kind of kid you are. Mm -hmm. So um, the whole month of April we just saw so many different people yeah. So many different teams came in. We developed some re good relationships with some of them because some of them were very interested and would want to come back out a couple of more times yeah. or we would see them at Green Hope at a baseball game and stuff. So mm -hmm. um, to prepare ourselves, by the time May came around, Deke and I looked at each other and we were like, this could be real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because we were we were shocked at how many scouts were interested in him mm -hmm. and when some of them came back two and three times to continue watching him we we just finally said you know this could be a thing we may need to switch gears a little bit yeah. and keep an open mind now we talked to jordan about it a little bit he just wasn't there yet yeah. he was going to university of north carolina he was a tar heel mm -hmm. he was going to play football and baseball that was it mm -hmm. and uh the month of may come in and to help prepare us for what could happen, I started um, looking for financial advisors. Mm -hmm. We started interviewing people. You don't just do this stuff. You don't just yeah. pick somebody. You know, it's a very important thing, yeah. you know, for your kid, because if it happens for him, you want him set up in the best situation possible mm -hmm. with the best team of people no who doubt. are gonna watch out for him. So I interviewed financial advisors. I interviewed tax professionals. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, it was amazing. I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, I had I, to I can't imagine like kind of going into it, like you said, just basically focusing on college. And yes. then the scouts come in and you're like, wait, the draft, like this is a real possibility. And then mm -hmm. basically being thrown into this world where there are all sorts of situations and just items you have to think about that you've never really given exactly. much serious thought. Exactly. Um, I just, you know, even with the, uh, the financial advisors, tax professionals, your, your agents, you know, we, we interviewed so many different people mm -hmm. and me and Deke would, you know, 
talk about the things that we liked about each. Now, each one, we did let Jordan sit in yeah. for about 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he didn't really, he wasn't into it like that as yeah. far as, you know, we, we wanted to introduce him to the people. Get they to know the they people. wanted to get to know him so he could get a feel of it. But when yeah. it came down to really discussing, tacks, yeah, details. we would yeah. let him go on because he was kind of just there let him go for rest the first up time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew that we would, you know, select the best fit for him mm -hmm. and our family or whatever. So um, that, that was wild. Like you mm -hmm. say, you're thinking about things that you otherwise wouldn't. And we didn't know what, what, where in the draft that he mm -hmm. could go. That was never anything we talked about, like what round that. or what number. We had no clue. Uh -huh. So I was going to ask that because just by the amount of attention from all these teams that mm -hmm. you're getting, from my perspective, you can kind of assume that he's going to go pretty high. Was that anything that you ever asked scouts or that they told you, we can see him going around this range? No. Did you we, know at all was, about like the slotting system with the draft and what kind of bonus you can expect depending on where you're going? At what point do you start doing this research or even talking with teams about that? Well, you know, um, most of the agents that we mm -hmm. spoke with, they were very prepared, oh, uh, yeah. by the way. They are, <laughs> I'm like, they come in with this nice, pretty, pamphlet booklet that they made mm -hmm. with Jordan's picture on it and all this stuff about him and what they could do and they had his name all throughout I think it was just very impressive yeah you know some of the things they did and a lot of them would have the slot sheet in there mm -hmm. about where if they went here how mm -hmm. much and all that stuff so um, we learned that actually from from the advisors just, from the side. advisors yeah. that yeah. were you know trying to uh, get us to hire them for, mm -hmm. for as Jordan's agent. So, um, but we still never, we never knew how far, how high, high mm -hmm. he could go. So is, did you guys at all read any kind of publications? It might've been us, might've been others that kind of are reporting on this. Do you guys kind of just ignore all that stuff and put it away, you can't really focus on it. Cause yeah. I know a lot of kids, it's much easier just to ignore it. You yeah, can't we, any stock in that. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't read much mm -hmm. of anything because Jordan was still wanting to go to the University of North Carolina, yeah. you know. Um, literally, it was the week before the draft mm -hmm. uh, because the last week of May, I remember talking to uh, the scout for the Toronto Blue Jays. Very nice guy, Jason. I forget his name. Mm -hmm. um, the Kansas City Royals came in a couple of times and we thought they were pretty good. And the last team to come into our house was the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah. And Deke and I had already, we, we scheduled the appointment. We're like, we really don't want him to go way out on the West Coast. We're on the East Coast. Uh -huh. You know, just for that reason. Nothing mm -hmm. against the organization. It was just, it was just so far. Yeah. And when Billy Epler left our home that night, we looked at each other and we said, that's where he needs to go. Yeah. What about that meeting? You know. Had you guys so convinced? They were, they were different. Um, he was very, um, he explained everything in a way that was very relatable, easy for us to comprehend. Mm -hmm. He was engaging with Jordan, yeah. um, where he got Jordan to join in the conversation with him. Everything he talked about with their farm system, the way that their minor league teams work mm -hmm. you know he talked about where each uh, 
farm system was located, mm -hmm. um, how they like to, you know, they want you to progress, but they're not, they don't want to rush you through, yeah. but if you're ready, they have no problem moving you up mm -hmm. no matter what your age is. Exactly. Jordan is very driven. Mm -hmm. um, he's not going to want to stay in one place long. He's going to work. He wants to move and up. He wants to move up. Yeah. He, and he wants to move up fast. Yeah. That's, he's just very competitive and driven in that way. And for Billy Uploader to come in and tell him that it, it could be a possibility with him yeah. as far as you know, moving up, that got, he was, that got Jordan right there yeah. or whatever. But that conversation with him that evening was like none other. Yeah, And that's awesome. when he left, we said that's where he needs to go. So at this, in this conversation, could you kind of see the wheels turning maybe with Jordan himself? Because I know, like you said, he was yes. committed to UNC. He wanted to play both sports. Finally. <laughs> That's the point where you think he was like seriously considering, okay, I can go straight to pro ball and do this Yeah, because, you know, eventually I'd, I'd, after that I talked to him and I said, Jordan, I said, you know, this could be a real possibility, mm -hmm. son. I said, you need to keep your, your options open. Yeah. Don't close that door because you just never know what opportunity lies on the other side. And, and I'm telling you, the whole month, even though we had scouts in our, I am still getting stuff from Joe Hayden at UNC. Uh, Jordan needs to fill out his, uh, his dorm room yeah. and register for this and register. I'm making all these passwords. I'm, I am doing double stuff. Mm -hmm. It was, that was hard. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're still preparing for college. Exactly, because you have no idea how the draft know, is going to go. You don't know. You do not, you do not close any doors. Mm -hmm. You keep an open mind because you just never know. And you want to make the best decision for your child. Yeah. And you really want him to make that decision. Because mm -hmm. um, even if he went to college, the draft's going to be there. Exactly. Whether it's baseball or football, mm -hmm. three years down the road, Bam, there it is. There you go. So we wanted him to make that decision for himself mm -hmm. and be happy with it. We were not going to choose that for yeah. him. So talk to me a little bit about the actual draft when it starts. How are you guys? Are you guys all watching it together? What's the situation there? Is there any expectations? Have you learned any more information on draft day or is it still kind of a little bit unknown? Yeah, um, we actually got together as a family. He did want to do a draft party. so. Mm -hmm. He invited some of his friends from high school and some of, he had really good friends in South Carolina still mm -hmm. and invited them to come over, his baseball coach, hitting coach, you know, the principal, yeah, you know, they awesome. all came over. Uh, we did get an invitation to Chicago. Yeah. I was surprised he did not accept the invitation. But to go to the draft. To go to, to the draft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he said, I, I just really want to be around my friends. Yeah. And I want them to be there with me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if that's how we're going to do it, let's yeah. just do it at home. And so um, we're at home and we're just watching the draft. And uh, by the end, you know, CAA continues just to advise us on how the process is going to work. Because yeah. we still, we just didn't know where he would go, mm -hmm. you know. Um, they didn't even know. We, it was just yeah. so much in the air. <laughs> when you have a dual sport athlete and that you haven't seen much of, mm -hmm. you know, um, you just don't know. Now, one thing we did do the month of May and you were there to give scouts an extra time with Jordan is we set up workouts mm -hmm. at Green Hope High School yep. because he kept getting so many invitations to work out at their facilities. Yeah. And instead of, you know, 
going going to, to one or two one, places and picking and choosing. Out. You know, it was hard to pick and choose who because you don't know who's going to draft exactly. you. So, and we didn't want anybody to feel left out. We mm -hmm. wanted everybody to be able to see him. So we were very thankful that when we set that up, everybody took a day because they knew when we were doing it. And they chose whichever day they wanted to come and, mm -hmm. and they came and watched him. And I had fun shagging balls <laughs> and, <laughs> in the outfield yeah. or whatever. So that gave them an extra time to see him and, and his ability to play the sport. But draft day itself, we just kept going through. And what was it? The 10th pick, I think, first round, was it Toronto picked Jordan Groshan? Jo Jordan Groshan, I think it was oh, number 12. Yeah. Number 12? So when they say Jordan, we're all yeah. like, <gasps> yeah. and they said his name, <laughs> and they're like, like oh, oh, not no. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, I'm telling you, it, we had no idea. Yeah. We really didn't. So even before the pick, you don't know. No. So what's the reaction when you do? I think it's well, number seventeen overall. Jordan gets selected. What's the reaction? Well, uh, I can tell you now. It's like by the time the sixteenth pick comes around, Billy Upler calls. Yeah. And talks. like we're going to take you here. Yeah, he says, Jordan, you ready to play? Yes, sir. You ready to be an angel? We're like, oh my goodness, this yeah. is happening. <laughs> How nice was it for you guys to get that call from Billy after having such a great meeting with him? You know, it, Billy Epler is like the man. Yeah. I have nothing negative to say about our process. Um, everything about the Angels organization mm -hmm. has been wonderful. I, they are top notch. Yeah. CAA is top notch. Jordan has a wonderful team around mm -hmm. him um you know i i just can't say enough about it it has yeah. been a wonderful experience um when he called and told jordan he was going to pick him and then the 17th round and there he is and it was so wonderful to hear the commentators say such great things <laughs> about him yeah. too because they didn't really know him but what they did know of him for them to share that and mm -hmm. be so kind with their words it was like oh yeah. my god it, it I was, mean this is like one of the biggest days of his life exactly so to have that is exactly awesome. yes and he still had to go to school the next day <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you get a kid who's just drafted in the first yeah. round to go to school the next he day he had finals like, uh, the I'd next like, day I'm like, oh yeah finals yes That's and terrible. graduation was the next week <laughs> so we still couldn't get out to LA until yeah. after graduation you know yeah. so uh but you know, the Angels are a great organization. I hope Jordan's career is forever with them. Mm -hmm. They have been phenomenal. Um, I tell people, too, you know, Jordan has been great all throughout his career with high school. He's never had any major injuries mm -hmm. or anything, so he's never missed a game mm -hmm. in any, any of those sports. So when we finally get to L.A., signs and he goes to Arizona mm -hmm. and August 1st you he gets called up to go to Orem and what was that two weeks three weeks in yeah he and Noni Williams had that collision that was the first adversity he's ever had yeah so he didn't know how to handle it um, when that happened I flew to LA they did surgery I stayed with them out there and that's what I you know, we all have teaching moments with our kids mm -hmm. uh, about different things. And since he had never had any type of adversity like that, yeah. it's like I had to walk him through and say, you know what, so what are you going to do? Are you going to mm -hmm. fold or are you going to come back and you going to 
play ball and it's go, everything's going to be yeah. all right. I said, this is life. Life sometimes throws you curves. Some you have control of it. A lot of it you don't. Mm -hmm. This is one. You didn't have any control over that. It's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. It happened. But it's okay. Go through the process. He didn't like having his, his mouth wired for two weeks, yeah. you know. And that's where you have to get creative and, you know, puree your food through a blender, suck through a straw, <laughs> you know, went to Taco Bell. You can imagine what that looks like after yeah. you puree it, you know. But <laughs> I said, son, you got to eat. I said, because you got to find a way to keep your body up. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to, you can't, you're going to lose some weight because of that, but don't lose the weight because you're not eating on your own. Yeah. You got to make those, you know, go ahead and make yourself do it and stuff. So it was probably almost four or five days because I would text Billy in my phone. I said, look, I don't have nothing else to say. Y'all going to have to intervene here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I need some help, yeah. you know, because he's never been through adversity until that time. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, you know, having that teaching moment, you know, with my son and letting him know that this is part of life. Yeah. You know, this was the first time, but it won't be your last. Oh, no doubt. So you're going to have to learn how to cope and how to get over those stumble, yeah. stumbling blocks, you know, throughout your career and your life. Yeah, how has the kind of the acclimation process been to pro ball outside of just dealing with the injuries? How, like, just the schedule and the demands and kind of being on the road, first time away from home, full time, <laughs> how has he kind of handled that and how have you handled that? Well, we actually, um, even before he left, mm -hmm. we told him, you know, he's got some great friends. Um, we, we talked with them and their parents and we said, hey, you know, sometimes, you know, if Jordan ever gets lonely, wants to see his boys, is it okay that we, you know, get them and they fly out to go see him? Yeah. And there are times that, yeah, we just get his friends and we go see him. Mm -hmm. um, I go see him as often as I can, um, and he, my, myself and his brother. Yeah. Um, whenever Deke's done with football, uh, he goes out, he sees him. So we try to you know, just go see him every chance we get because once they're there, that's mm -hmm. it, you know. Um, now the grind has been something. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been used to staying in, in rink-a-dink hotels. I'm sorry, we, you yeah. know, when you're know. a football it's, it's coach, a da when your dad's a football coach and you go to all these big bowl games, you're staying at the nicest hotels well, and stuff. Well, it's crazy because... And we touched on it a little bit, but the summer before your your senior year, when you're going to all these elite kind of high school events, mm -hmm. you're treated. Basically, they try to give you the major league experience. Right, right. And you go from right. that. You're you're a first round pick. You've been to all these events. You're a highly touted prospect in multiple sports. Yes. All these <laughs> events are very glamorous, and then you get drafted. So exciting. Once you get on that minor league bus. Yes. Yes. It's a very different <laughs> lifestyle. Driving three and four hours yeah. to a game and. You're leaving early in the morning because you're going to play that day. Mm -hmm. When you get there that afternoon, you got that game at 6 o'clock yep. and you got to be ready yep. <laughs> or whatever. And, and even having, you know, the meals there, you know, now there are some places, you know, they may not have the best meals, mm -hmm. you know, meal plans and stuff. But you got to eat. Mm -hmm. That's just part of it. You yep. got to do what you got to do no <laughs> or whatever. So, yeah, it has been an adjustment uh, for him uh, with that. And baseball has been great, though, because... He likes he likes the games every day because mm -hmm. he plays kind of every day. Grind. It is. Ball, you kind of wait a week to practice exactly. one game a week. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he has adjusted well to that, mm -hmm. and he he really enjoys playing every day because for the most part, um, from what I've seen, 
you're playing games, but practice isn't like it was in high school. Mm -hmm. You don't have those two-hour practices exactly. and, and all that. When you're playing every day, it's hard to add in. Exactly. So you're, you're, you know, having your hitting time and yep. um, pop flies, you know, that kind of thing. Practice but, kind of is during the games. Yes. Kind of constantly yes. trying to adjust mm -hmm. within at-bats, game yeah. to game. So he's been, he's been good with it. Though. Yeah. He's, he's adjusted pretty well. So I kind of wanted to pivot now to just kind of what advice, like you've obviously been through this process, learned a lot throughout it, maybe didn't come in as informed as maybe people who've been playing baseball their entire lives. And even if you have been playing baseball and your baseball family kind of your entire life, I feel like there are just a lot of things that come with this that you can't anticipate and right. can't really know about until you go through it. So right. for you, what kind of advice would you give to people who might go through this in the future and are about to next spring? What's mm -hmm. something that you would kind of uh, want to tell parents or, or kids who are going to go through this process? Um, be patient. A lot of times, I think us as parents, we, we talk a lot about what could be. Mm -hmm. And that's something we didn't do. We just let Jordan play. Mm -hmm. When he was playing baseball, we just played. We played football, he just played. We didn't talk about, you know, even going through the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. I'm not, we're not going to stay on, okay, Alabama offers you a football scholarship. Okay, great. And then it's done. Yeah. We don't harp on it. Don't, don't continue to talk so much about it because kids will internalize that and it could be a distraction. Yeah. Because you're, you still got to do what you're supposed to do as far as playing your sport mm -hmm. and being the best at it that you can be. But you don't really need the distractions, you know, on the outside to yeah. interfere with that. Um, because when you're being recruited, your coaches are still going to look at you. You know, they're going to come to your games. And if you're being scouted, you know, for the draft, those scouts are going to come in and they want to see you do your best. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to look around to see if they're there. Yeah. You know, um, we have two boys uh, and they're very different. Jalen was uh, our basketball kid, and he was the one. He looked for us in the stands. Yeah. You know, he had to have somebody, and we're like, okay. <laughs> you know, so, but Jordan was different. Yeah. If I didn't get there to later, or if I didn't go at all to a game, you know, he played ball. Yeah. It, it didn't matter. Who, yeah. He, it didn't matter who was in the stands. Mm -hmm. And you have to have that tonal vision to just play your game, mm -hmm. enjoy your teammates, because when it's over you know, in high school, it's over. Yeah. There's no going back to that. No doubt. You don't want to have any regrets and say, oh, I wish I did this, wish I... Just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the game. Yeah. Because when you do go to the next level, whether it's professionally or college, it's going to be so different. Mm -hmm. um, especially with college football, it's yeah. so much faster. And the guys are so much bigger. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Every level. School. Yeah. In football and even in baseball, every level, even just from low A to high A or to high A to double A, the game. Right just gets that much better, so. And one thing that was very, um, I've, I've learned so much going to these games with, with Jordan. I mean, the first year, of course, he was 18 years old, and he's playing against kids that 23, 24, 25. Yep. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Grown like, men in some yes, occasions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And last year, or this past year, we were in Burlington, and the same thing. So it's, it's like, you know, it's very uh, eye-opening because mm -hmm. All those years of him playing up on teams, well, here you go. <laughs> you're, you're up and you're yeah. playing against some guys that are a whole lot older than you. Yeah. They're probably even a little stronger than you. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so the, comp the competition is there, mm -hmm. you know, to help you to become a better player. Mm -hmm. So we're very excited and looking forward to him going to high A in San Bernardino, California. Mm -hmm. He's been wanting to get there for whatever reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, Burlington, nice. <laughs> yes, and Burlington was was a shocker because there was nothing there. Yeah, a very small, quaint town. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, the Angels had the best host families. Uh, we've had some great people that mm -hmm. he stayed with and made some really great friends. Um, in that process as yeah. well, so it's it's been good. I like I said, I have no complaints. That's fantastic. Well, I think those were the only questions. I think we touched on everything I kind of wanted to. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to talk about or mention? No, I I am just excited to be here. I'm glad that you know I met you, you know, <laughs> back during that time, and yeah. and I re that I wanted to reach out to you because, you know, on the circuit that we had during those summers with Jordan mm -hmm. is, I don't quite remember uh, some of those camps having um, a, a parent breakout session mm -hmm. that included a parent that had been through the yeah, process to kind of talk about and that what could to expect, share their yeah. experience and their journey because um, I think that could have helped us a whole lot yeah. more once we saw what was coming our way because mm -hmm. we had no idea of what to expect. Yeah. And it really came fast for us because like you said, Jordan wasn't on anybody's radar mm -hmm. the year before. Or whatever so I would love to be able to um, partner with anyone of those camps anybody that would uh, love to have a parent breakout yeah. session that I could share the experience to be able to help someone else along the way and maybe help them be better prepared no for when the draft comes in June of 2020 yeah no I think that's fantastic I think a lot of people will get value from this even if you're not someone who's actually going to go through this process just knowing about it is fascinating but for those who are actually going right. to go through it just kind of being able to see what the steps were for you guys what mm -hmm. to expect all the different things that you have to learn about and figure what out what to look for in these financial advisors and mm -hmm. these tax preparers because you know you're going to get bombarded we would go to Jordan's games and there were tax people there or financial <laughs> advisors yep. there and they're always yeah. right there on your shoulder because they're going to they're going to figure out who mom and dad are mm -hmm. and they're they're there because they want your business they exactly. want your son or whatever so you have to be ready for that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and like i said it just was very overwhelming for us because we didn't know what to expect exactly. and any, if i could share our journey and our experience with other uh parents that could be going through that. Yeah. I, I would love to be able to do that. Well, that's fantastic. We definitely appreciate you coming and, and letting all of our listeners uh, kind of into that process and mm -hmm. looking forward to seeing uh, where else you're able to kind of share that because I think yeah. it's definitely something that people need to, to be aware of and, and kind of know a little bit more about. So thank you so much. Yes, for, and for I appreciate you having in. me. Yeah, it's of good course. to see you again. Anytime. I'd love to <laughs> chat baseball uh, in, in the process at any point. But uh, thank you again. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening to this conversation. I hope it was insightful. I'm sure it was. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.